Welcome to the HVAC Financial Freedom Podcast, a show to help you create more revenue, profit, and freedom in your life. Now your host, John Victoria. Hello and welcome everyone to the HVAC Financial Freedom Podcast. Uh, I'm John Victoria, your host, and today we are sitting with Daniel Myers of Field Pulse. And so, Daniel, welcome to the show. Hey, John. Thanks for having me. Good to see you again. Of course, man. And uh, for brief context for everyone, yeah, Daniel and I, we first met at uh, Aka Spring Conference. I think this was earlier this year. And um, yeah, I think we were just hanging out. You guys brought a video crew. I was inspired by you guys' energy and all that you're doing. And so um, it's really awesome now that we're sitting together. It's like six or seven or eight months, eight months later that now we're chatting again. It's it's been a few months, but you know, I'll just tell everybody it's it's gonna be worth the wait. Trust me. <laughs> yes, sir. And um, and to kick us off, you know, I'd love for for you to share quickly about your background. I I think that you know, Field Pulse is a, a technology focused company, but I know that your start wasn't in technology and it was actually um, in construction. And so I'd love a quick briefer on like your background and all the things that you do at Field Pulse. So. Uh, yeah, I've taken the normal traditional career path of every construction and trades guy, and I did it. I was in the trenches. I was in the trades construction. Um, started when I was 14 years old. I started mowing then all the neighborhood lawns, started trimming trees, which led to fixing fences. And then I was fixing soffit and fascia, and then I was painting, and then I was replacing front doors, and then I was doing flooring, and then I was doing bathroom remodels, and then kitchens, and then second floor additions. Um, I've just about done it all. Um, I've trenched and dug concrete foundations, um, masonry work, concrete work, sod, sprinkler systems, uh, trim, paint. I had my HVAC license for about four years. And uh, a funny story, I actually got my license when I was working at an industrial plant, an industrial gas chemical plant. And then I stopped working there and I tried to get into residential HVAC service and realized uh, for all the HVAC guys out there, if you've ever done industrial, um, that's, that's where it's at. Uh, there's gauges and, and sensors for everything. So the system, the, the HVAC system and industrial scale will tell you what's wrong with it. All you have wow. to do is fix it. And so they, I was so spoiled and so used to that. And then I got out kind of out of that umbrella, if you will, and got out in the field and realized very quickly that there's no sensors, there's no gauges. You have to figure it all out. I thought, oh, this sucks. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, uh, like I started off saying, I've taken the traditional career path of, uh, you know, 20 years of construction. And now I'm a construction guy working at a tech company, um, makes, makes all the sense in the world. Uh, as far as my role here at Field Pulse, I'm the best description of my job is translator. Uh, so I deal a lot with customers and I speak just enough tech that I can be that translator in between our customers and our engineering, our, our, our software development and our product team. And, you know, uh, given my experience and, and all of the things that I've ever done. I can 
make the bridge and, and I can bridge the communication gap between our customers and our internal team. So, you know, um, I'm sure, you know, you know, uh, when you're, when you're running a service business, you talk to enough people, you know, the lingo, the language, the scenarios, all the things that they use and how different that is from person to person to person. Yes. Well, I'm able to step in and, oh, okay. Our, our CS team might not know exactly what you're talking about, but I do. So I can jump in and I can help. That's amazing. It's, um, yeah, you are, you are the bridge because, uh, you know, I, I also speak to contractors, uh, quite regularly and, um, you know, translating from the digital marketing space, it's like, it sounds like what, and what are you, what are you talking about? Mm -hmm. um, and so you are in a way, you know, you help to explain like the things that are happening and also create values in ways that other people might not be able to, given your experience. Um, so one question I did have is, you know, there's so many different platforms out there, like, you know, all, all the paths you picked, it was, is Field Pulse, like, and given your background in trades, like, why did you pick Field Pulse out of, you know, out of all of the other places you could have um, potentially served at? Well, I used to use Field Pulse when I ran my last business. Uh, my last business that I owned was a very successful handyman business. And like I alluded to earlier, after 20 years of working out in the trades, um, I've had one shoulder already worked on. The other one's on its way. I'll, I'll say that um, hands don't really work like they used to. And, you know, 20 years of hard labor uh, took its toll on my body. And so, um, so like I said, my, my last handyman business was fantastic. Wow. It was successful. I was, I was doing great. And I used to do a pulse to run the business. And I came into a lunch mm -hmm. with our CEO and some of our product people and some of our customer success people and had some good discussions with them about, you know, product layout and the way to click through things and what makes sense. And, um, they made me an offer. I couldn't refuse. Uh, they liked the way I talked. They liked the, they liked the way I exactly my job. Now they liked the way that I made the bridge and yes. here I am. And, and that's a beautiful thing, you know, giving that you, you use the platform yourself, uh, you know, mm -hmm. you, you ate your own food, you know, that, that mm -hmm. there's uh it's, it's an amazing thing. And, um, could you talk about that? Like when you first like brought Field Pulse into the business and started using it and then the transformation that, that created a youth working in the business, could you talk through a bit of that journey when, when you were a contractor? Absolutely. So when I first found Field Pulse, and I will say that I, I found them just completely organically, just completely looking around. Um, I did a couple of different demos with a couple of different platforms and what really got me attracted to field pulse and why I obviously ultimately signed up with them was the flexibility that was there to, they do not, we do not fix you into a workflow. Um, they, we are extremely flexible and we realize from our inception how different people's minds work, you know? And so you might, and, and then the, the way that people's minds work, but also the different scenarios that you can be in from day to day where, you know, you're, you might be in the middle of a job and somebody gives you a call and you get somebody's information real quick and you're doing your best to talk to them and talk them through what they need, you know, and, and so you don't have to navigate to a page in the app on, on your phone or on the computer and go back to say, you know, for instance, create a customer first and then create an estimate and then create a job and then create an, you can just go in and create an estimate first. 
save it, go back later and add the customer details. You can create a job and then go attack and then go attach the customer to it later. So the, the pure flexibility of, and, and them recognizing, like I said, not just the way that people's brains work, but all the different scenarios that you could be in and the necessity to do things a different way, given the circumstance, if you're at your office, if you're driving down the road, wait, don't talk on your phone while you're driving. I'm not going to say that, but while you're not talking on your phone and on your phone, while you're not driving, you can do certain things. And then when you're at the job or you're, or you're, you know, underneath the house, I've been all those places and had to pull out my phone and, you know, like I said, do something real quick, like create a job, create an estimate, put the details in there and you can finish it up later. That's awesome. So, you know, as people just use things in different ways and I, mm -hmm. I have a friend who, um, yeah, they run a tech platform, uh, not a CRM, but he was always just surprised by how people would find ways to use their tech product. And it was never in the way that they originally intended to be used, but they, he was just blown away with the creativity of folks. And so I love that you have that flex flexibility to do the things and great in the workflows that, that people, that people do. Um, which kind of leads me to uh, my next question, which is, I mean, you guys see behind the scenes for thousands of different contracting businesses. And um, I'm just curious, like your power users, the people that are, are doing really well, like how do they use the platform? Are there any trends that you notice or unique applications that like, wow, like they're performing really well. This is a best practice that more companies should do. Is there anything like that you've seen? So I don't dive too deep into the individual uh, companies. And, and quite honestly, we don't have the ability to track um, like how you click on things. You know, what everybody thinks is possible is not always possible. Um, so we, we don't click, you know, we, we, we aren't able to go in and say recreate, um, you know, a certain technician and how he used the platform for the last 45 minutes and, and see, you know, everybody thinks it's, it's possible to do like a screen recording almost, you know, <laughs> well, no, because if we did that, we would be taking in so much data off of your device. It would slow your device down and you wouldn't be able to hardly use it. So, but some, some overall trends, I will say, um, and some, some overarching ideas is that people keep up with the training and people keep up, they dive deep into the product and they really rely on our, on our customer success team. I'm not trying to pitch anything right here. I'm just saying what I've noticed is that people who take the time to really train on our software and really go through the implementation process, dive deep during the implementation process, and then keep up with our CS team and ask questions, ask, how do I do this? Ask how I do So you use more and more and more of the platform and you realize how much is there and the, and the capability and the possibility that's already there. You just need to figure out and you just need to be trained on how to use it, how we built it. And then I will plug the CS team right here and say, any ways that we can learn to make it better, let us know and we can we can figure it out. That's awesome. So it's just, uh, you know, take the bull by its horns, use it. Um, you know, it's not like, uh, you know, you pull out your credit card, you swipe it, and then boom, your, your business is successful. Like you, there's, there's some work that has to come after, <laughs> after setting it up. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and we, surprisingly, we have people who sign up 
and never use it and don't sign into it. Don't do the implementation process. And it, it blows my mind, just absolutely blows my mind of how people do. And, and people think that you can just, you can just sign up and start using it. Unfortunately, it's not that simple because there is so much built inside of Fuel Pulse and there's so much that you can do. There's inventory tracking. There's, I'm, I'm just going to say, uh, 12 different schedule views of all your techs and all the places and the teams. And, you know, if you want a Gantt chart, do you want your, you know, you, you, that's your traditional dispatch view? Do you want a calendar view? Do you want a week's view, a day view, a month view? We have all of these things. We have so much in there and we constantly have to tell people it's an investment of your time upfront to save you so much time in the future. Because once you learn what's inside of here, now all the things that we already have, and I, it's, it's my best calls that people call me and ask me how to do something or, Hey, where is this? Or, Hey, can you do this? Yeah, we can here. And here's how to get to it. Here you go. From, from what you're saying, it sounds like it's, it's not, it's, I mean, the tech is incredibly powerful. It's, it's more so changing behavior. So whether it's, I don't know, let's say it's one minute shop, but I can imagine the, the challenge can be multiplied when someone has a team, let's say that 10, 15, 20 people. And, you know, you know, everyone's already busy doing their current work and now they have to, you know, learn a technology, implement it to, to get the benefit from it. Um, how would you advise a contractor who, you know, whether maybe speak first to the individual contractor, then speak to the contractor with a team, like implementing that change. Uh, it's, 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 I think it's more psychological and behavioral versus like, yeah, I mean, the technology it, it's there, but it's like getting people to change their habits and how they've done. How do you, you said it? You, you said it. And changing habits—that that is the hardest thing to, and it's the hardest kind of un, I want to say rule, but like like an unwritten change that not a lot of the people expect. Um, so to to the individual contractor who I'm I'm gonna stereotype for a second. Apologize for those of you who don't fit into this, but the majority of the single two-man, three-man shops that we get, they're all pen and paper. They're not using any kind of software at all. And maybe they have like QuickBooks on their phone so they can process their credit card payments or they have a square payment platform so they can process credit cards. Maybe they're using, uh, you know, Google Calendar, or like Google Sheets. You, okay, you're using a, an electronic notepad. You're still on pen and paper, let's face it, okay? Um, so those people having to change their habits you're changing your habits at the same time you're trying to learn something new that is very overwhelming for most people um and then to the larger businesses who again stereotypically they're the ones that change software platforms they're the ones who have tried to make it work on our competitors and for Everyone has various reasons why they leave and why they shift and change, you know, their software platforms. Some of them want better inventory management. Some of them want better reporting. Some of them want a better QuickBooks integration. Um, you know, some of them need uh, 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 custom PDFs built, you know, for checklists and their inspection forms and all, you know, all the various paperwork that they actually need that still has to be a, a paper. Um there's various reasons, but those people, my best advice to the bigger companies coming in is go through the implementation process, start with the top down, start with the owner and say, you know, if it's an admin or your team managers, 
start there because our arm, our implementation process starts at the top and then trickles its way down. Mm. And so once we onboard your, your entire team and we coach your entire team, my number one point of advice to the bigger companies is to find one person in your company who is the most tech savvy. It should not be the owner. It should be someone in the company. And it, it, most of the time, it's your youngest tech, right? Because they're the guys who have grown up with technology. They've grown up with iPhones. They've grown up with Androids. They know intuitively how to use something. And they're not afraid. They, they don't have the, the timidness that even older guys like me have where um, if I push this button, will I be able to go back is a constant uh, common theme among you know uh, the hesitation to using uh, to getting used to new tech. And the younger guys, they, they know what the stuff means. They, they know how it's built. They know how it's laid out because they've grown up with it. So anyways, cho choose one person in your company to be the power user, you know, to be the, to be the guy or the girl who knows everything inside of Field Pulse. And that way your team can rely on that power user. They're internal. They know how your business works. They know all the personalities. They know everyone that works there. And so they can help each of those people navigate and learn things so you don't always have to contact seal pulse for help i love it so it's um yeah i got a, i got a number of things from that so when enacting some tech change for example changing the crm it's it's identifying who's that champion in the company and there actually is an advantage to being young you know the the, the young superstar you know the tech native who grew up with the technology who understands it uh that's the advantage of being young. And that's a benefit that you can see in your, your younger employees, technicians, or admin staff um, to really, you know, leverage this technology and, and move your, your business into the future. Um, that, that's amazing. That's amazing. Um, uh, another thing that I, I want to bring up was I've been having conversations with a number of contractors and it seems like looking towards the future, you know, given you know, the current state of the, the the economy, interest rates and whatnot, there's, um, there seems to be a focus on, on cost cutting, on improving profitability versus, you know, it's, it'll be nice if the top line grows, but it's, it's, it seems like it's more of an efficiency as, as, a, as a key focus. Um, like, what are some things or recommendations that you'd have, whether you see it in field pulse or just in general in contracting, any, anything that you'd recommend for someone who has that as a key focus at the moment? Um, quick clarification of the question. Um, you, are you speaking to improving efficiency or cost cutting? Mm. I guess we could do both. <laughs> okay. Um, my, start the best way to answer this. The number one thing the, the number one advantage not thing the number one advantage you will get out of signing up with a platform like field pulse if it's service side if it's house call pro if it's pays aware if it's jobber you have to leverage the technology as a supplement to your own labor and so let me unpack that a little bit so um the reason technology exists in this space is to make you more efficient because um, the going back to real quick to the the single the, the one man shop two man three man shops you're learning delegation 
And so the first step of delegation, I believe, is the simplest one is the first baby step of delegation is finding a piece of software that can do things for you, like automated communications and sending out emails for you, doing uh, appointment reminders for you, right? It's, it's little things. You still have to put it in. You still have to build the job. You still have to create the template and the rules for the technology to follow. But once you set that up, it's that old saying, it's set it and forget it. Once you set it up, then you're done and it does it for you. It does it repeatedly. It does it every single time. So you're learning to delegate. And once you realize the efficiency gains and the money that it makes you, for instance, I personally believe this deeply, that your admin, if you have, say, an admin staff of one or two, I truly believe you, once you implement software like Field Pulse in your business, you will make those admin staff as powerful as a team of three, four, or five. You put the little exponent, you know, on them because of all the automations that are built into it. Um, it's their, their, their bookkeeping functions, their, um, their job uh, functions as far as scheduling, being able to drag and drop things. Boom, it's done. Uh, communicating with customers after the fact for your customer follow-up. Um, it prompts them to do that. It, it's in, it pops up reminders. It pops up to do, you know, basically a to-do list, basically. Um, and then getting into the cost-cutting side of things, I wonder why people focus on cost-cutting instead of making more money. Now there is such thing as wasteful spending, right? We've all I've seen it. I've seen I've seen contractors with um, uh, six figure uh, pickup trucks that are lifted and chrome wheels and lights and full wraps and um, custom custom license plates. Do you, do you need it? Because I've never. I've never bought a new vehicle for any of my businesses in, tw in 20 years. I've always had a truck, just a truck. Now, I kept it clean. I kept it detailed. I kept the tires shined. Uh, you know, if it was a magnet, it was a magnet. If it was vinyl lettering, I had vinyl lettering. Um, do you need it? Do you, you know, so do you need a fully wrapped Ford Raptor? For your business probably not probably not so when it comes to cost cutting i see a lot of wasteful spending and look to the people in the industry <laughs> let's let's try and you know let's let's start there okay and then we can talk about other things yeah and, and so uh, let's start there but then when it gets down into the operations of your business why, why are you focusing on cutting costs rather than finding either a raising your prices or B finding additional streams of revenue? Why, why, why aren't you focusing on that? I love it. And, um, and it sounds like you're even speaking to a belief that some people might have, right? It's, you know, it's, it's, um, cost cutting. It's, um, it sounds like there's a belief that for some folks needs to be shifted. Um, uh, is could you could you dive a little bit deeper into that? Because it because I I I feel similarly 
You know, it's like there's there's only so much money that you can cut. And then at a certain point when you cut too much, it's actually disadvantageous to you um, because oh, you've yes. cut so much. <laughs> so, yes. If, if, if you if you cost cut, you know, say uniforms um, and then you start you start sending your textile on jobs and, you know, their uniforms are beat up and they've got, you know, rips in their sleeves and, and holes in their jeans and, and beat up boots and, and whatever you supply them, you know, free. What are you gaining there? Sure, you're saving a buck, but your the the reputation, the visualization of your company is terrible. Um, you know, if if you're going to start cutting cutting costs on parts, well, then your callbacks, your warranty calls, your you know your your overall reputation, you, you risk you know getting bad reviews online from you know so and so made this repair and it only lasted a month and now now he's back. You know, and that, that it, there's so many more implications to that rather than. Mm-hmm. To me, the better path in your business is keep elevating, keep elevating, keep going, keep growing, keep getting better, keep getting better. And rather than it, it cost cutting to me almost feels like you're you're scared or timid or you're shrinking. Mm. Why? What's what what else is happening? You know, and, and people will blame the economy, people will blame interest rates, but there's plenty of people who get very wealthy in hard times. Figure out how to be one of those people. I love it. It's, um, I mean, it's like a scarcity versus a abundance mindset. It's exactly um, when you feel like there's not enough, it's like, you know, you shrink in a way. Um, if there's abundance, like there's opportunity. Yeah. There's, I mean, even in a bad time, right. You know, money is still changing hands. You just got to figure out how, which way, how's it going and how, how you can also, um, you just need to go find it. Yeah. Yep. Um, uh, so, uh, one thing, one thing I like to point out, especially to HVAC business owners, there's that big V right in the middle of HVAC. Most of them do nothing with it. You know what ventilation also includes is the dryer vent. Go clean dryer vents, offer that as a service and, and downtimes. That's a fantastic way to make a hundred bucks in 30 minutes, maybe 45 minutes. If you have a big one, um, the bathroom fans, the bat, the vent fans. Start servicing those. There's some really cool ones out there now that have speakers, Bluetooth speakers built into them and night lights. And, you know, you can change the color and have a party mode while you're in the shower. I mean, start selling the stuff. There's a big market right in the middle of the HVAC acronym that most of them, most business owners, pay no attention to at all. There's entire dryer, dryer vent cleaning businesses out there. That's all they do is clean dryer vents. If they can make it just cleaning dryer vents, why don't you at least offer it as a service? I love it. So it's just expanding your your total offerings. Says I mean, it's part of it's part of, of what part of what folks do. Um, you also mentioned raising prices. Now, um, I I've spoken to a number of folks about this, and you know some of the things that they say are, oh, you know, I I don't want to raise it too much. You know, my custom my customers are used to this, and I don't want to lose business. Or, or, or I can tell maybe there's a, there's like some sort of a, a confidence within charging at a higher rate. How, how would you coach someone who is, who's, who's challenged with like really charging what they feel that they're worth? Um, and we're like, they're just like, you know, whatever work, as long as I'm busy, I'm busy. You know, that sort of mindset versus, you know, actually charging what they're worth. Like, how do you advise them? So if you're not charging enough, you're taking this business way too personally. You have your self-worth tied into your prices. And what I mean by that is you want 
everyone to like you. You want people to always, you know, want to call you back and you want all the work that comes your way. Um, I had a defining moment in my handyman business. Let me back up. When I started my handyman business, I started cheap. I did that for two reasons. Number one, I wanted to get going quick. One, I wanted a bunch of fast wins. I wanted a bunch of, you know, I wanted to pick it up and get going quickly. So I underpriced myself. I knew I was underpricing myself, but I did it on purpose. Second of all, it's really hard to find, and we all know this as service business owners, we all know that it's really hard to find pricing and to get accurate pricing and reliable pricing and repeatable pricing, right? And you can't really figure it out what it is. But the defining moment in my handyman business was somebody complimented me on what a great value I was. That hit me like a ton of bricks. I don't want to be a good value. I want to be the best damn handyman business in the Dallas Metroplex. That's what I wanted. And that's what I built. That's what I was. And so I kept raising my prices. I kept getting better and better clients. And I still stayed scheduled out anywhere from two to four weeks, depending on the month. But your question though, where to start is, I ask other people this. In fact, I was just at a lunch and learn at a distributor over in Irving on Friday. And this topic came up and I asked the guy that made some um, colorful comments. I'll put it that way. Um, Hey, what's your acceptance rate on your, on your jobs? And he asked me, what does that even mean? I said, to the proportion of people that call in and ask you for work, how much of the work do you get? And he said, all of it. It's okay. You are priced way too low. And here's how I know. It's a golden rule in the service business. You should be at about an 80 to 85% acceptance rate. 75% maybe for the bigger shops. But you don't want to go any higher than 85%. That is the absolute max that you want acceptance rates on. If you're getting all the business, there is room for you to increase your prices. You want people to tell you no. You want the cheap people. You want the tire kickers. You want the price shoppers to just say no. And that's okay because you don't want them as customers anyways. I promise you, I've been there. You don't want them as customers. Now, the flip side of that, you want to have, you know, you want to sell the value. You want to present the value. You, there's some other things that we go there, but start with your acceptance rate. You should be between 75 and 85% of your acceptance rate. That lets you know that you're, you're up there. You're making what you should be making and more than likely what all the other companies are making. And I'll tell you, I had another kind of aha moment, if you will. Um, I got hold of an invoice or an estimate rather from a franchised handyman business, they're nationwide. And I was blown away at what they charged. And I'm not making this up to change four light bulbs was almost $500. The change light bulbs. My aha moment was not criticizing them, but wondering, and I asked myself this question, who's paying them to do that? And they're nationwide. Maybe they're onto something here. Maybe they're onto what people are willing to pay. So I didn't criticize them for it. I started raising my prices to get $500 to change for light bulbs. <laughs> but they say, don't get bitter, get better. And this, this opened up like, wow, there's, there's better 500 for, you know, how? 
Who are they serving? (laughs) Where are they finding these? How are they doing this? Yes, yes. And and all the guys who aren't charging enough, you can can tell by the bitterness that they have. Oh, these companies are ripping them off, ripping them. Last time I checked, we live in America and I can't force you to buy something from me. That's another discussion for another time. I can't force you to buy my HVAC services. Okay, let me say that clearly. I cannot force you to do business with me. So if people are willing to do business with high price shops, why aren't you in there with, why aren't, why aren't you competing dollar for dollar? Why, why, why aren't you selling, why are you selling on price and you're not selling on other things like customer service, the value, the warranty that you offer, 24 hour emergency service. You know, why, why aren't, there's other things that you can sell on rather than just being the cheapest. Why, why, why compete on price? And there's, there's also phantom costs too, right? When you take, when, you know, when you are taking too low jobs, that's keeping you busy. That's keeping you tired. It's making you frustrated because you're not making enough money. And then that steals from your energy and ability to lend the customers that you actually want and have the, the capacity and mental freedom to actually work on the business versus just in the business on an ongoing basis. Because if, if everyone's accepting it, you're busy, right? You're, you got jobs and it's it's not paying enough and it's just um we see it all the time you get stuck in this um this negative spiral and it's it requires a conversation like the things that you're sharing to to break free and um and those are those are hard west hard lessons won by you as well like you having experienced many of this i've been there man and when you 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 know this uh, speaking to contractors you know this when you have to get paid on one job so you can start another job mm-hmm. that's your red flag moment a lot of guys don't see it that way, but that's your red flag moment. When you have to make money in order to start your next job, even even service work, you're not you're not making enough money. You you need to start raising your prices. I love that. Love that role plus the uh, 85 percent acceptance rates. Those are those are things people need to take home. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess from here, uh, I guess as a transition, I. You know, we first met at the, um, the Air Conditioning Contractors America Spring Conference as in uh, New Orleans. Was yeah, it? that was in New Orleans. Yep. And, um, and I'm curious, uh, you know, there's these groups out there. And you, you also mentioned you're part of a, um, you're a, a lunch and learn uh, previously mm-hmm. in this conversation. So could you talk about um, networking with peers and, and things like that? Like, uh is that something that folks should do if they're looking to grow their business? Like what's the value in it, right? You have to spend all this money to go out to this place and you got to get the hotel and the flights and like, what's, what's sort of the value of, of doing something like attending, you know, these big shows or these conferences or these lunch and learns in your opinion. So for, uh, I think two aspects of this. So number one with fuel pulse, um, while we were there and I, I got to meet you, um, we were, uh, Ken and I, our videographer, we were going around to all the booths and we were making a short product video, uh, a shoot, short introduction video, if you will, and just seeing what people brought to the show because, you know, uh, companies like, uh, a field piece, um, um, oh gosh, I've had their name on the tip of my tongue. Um, Ken snips, um, Copeland, I'm sorry. Um, Compressors, Emerson, that's who I'm thinking of. Uh, you, you never know what they're going to bring that's new. You know, you never going to know what they're debuting. And so it's it's cool to go around and, and see to get lucky. And that's really what it is, getting lucky to see if they brought something new to the show. You know, sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. Uh, so for us, for, for, for Fuel Pulse, 
networking, getting into the different groups, getting it informed in and creating the relationships with all the different um, manufacturer, tool manufacturers, uh, business trade groups that are out there, uh, these private equity firms that are getting into buying businesses. That circles back into Field Pulse and the ecosystem that we are building. Uh, you're familiar now with our partnerships team, uh, the ecosystem that we're building to better benefit our customers, to better benefit the contractors who use Field Pulse. So uh, you um, and Polyana Marketing is a great uh, example of building an ecosystem. If if I can get you onto Field Pulse or vice versa, if somebody's already your customer, and say they need better reporting on their marketing campaigns, well, we can do that. And you now have the information to tell a contractor, hey, you know, this XYZ platform you're using, we're not getting the data, you, John, are not getting the data that you need to verify your results and your return on investment, your customer's investment for those marketing campaigns. Well, we have that kind of stuff inside of Field Pulse. And it goes the other way too. You know, we, we have people all the time ask us for recommendations, hey, if it's marketing, if it's a CPA, if it's a bookkeeper, if it's an insurance guy, we, we're trying to build that ecosystem inside of Field Pulse to be more of a networking, almost almost a, a family ties type situation where we, we know people and we can put you, the business owner, in front of other people who can best serve you. And so, um, but as far as the contractor goes, as far as the business owner goes, one of those things, number one, it's just fun. It's a three-day party. You get to learn some stuff. You get to go listen to some coaches. You get to go, you know, listen to some lunch or some, uh, you know, some lunch and learns and some, some discussions that are had. Some of these are, are business coaches that similar to me right here, right now. Not that, not that I am a presenter, but there are presenters like me who are, might give you a new nugget of, you know, a new point of view on something or a different piece of advice. And hearing it from all the different places that you can possibly hear it, you can only get better. And so second of all, taking the time off from your work is, it's just a relaxing thing to do. Bring your family, bring your kids. They, you know, I don't know if I take them to New Orleans personally. <laughs> I didn't take my family with me, but you know, the next one's in Orlando. Yes. Go take the time, go take your family to these things. Go, you know, hang out with the people, the business coaches and the tool manufacturers and the reps that are selling the stuff and talk to them and see what's coming and, and see, you know, what they're working on, what's coming next. You know, um, I use field piece as an example all the time. I loved talking to Tony. He was just a cool guy to get to know and to see what's coming down the pike for them and where they're headed as a company. Um, it's cool to know that kind of stuff. And I don't even use field piece tools. I'm not out in the field, but I'm a huge fan. I'm a huge mm -hmm. fan of field piece tools. The, just the passion that that one guy had, Tony, uh, Tony Gonzalez, I believe his name. I'm sorry, Tony, if I got it wrong, he might not ever see this, but whatever. Um, <laughs> I submit to the Ferguson or Gonzalez. I'm pretty sure it's Gonzalez, uh, but I, I know his name's Tony. Um, but just the passion that he had for where they're going as a business and the vision that they have and the things that they want to create all connected by Bluetooth is like the little cherry on top is, oh, that's cool. That's really cool. All right. Oh, I, all right. That's cool. 
Um, but the, you know, and then there's a, the ancillary benefit of being able to write it all off your business. <laughs> um, that doesn't mean it's free. That just means <laughs> it's, it's a write off and you don't have to pay income tax on it. That's really all that means. Yeah. And it's, um, I mean, going to industry events, conferences where you're learning, it's, I, I love it. I mean, all the points you mentioned and, um, I think also what it, what it can do for folks, which I always encourage people to do it is. Um, sometimes you'll meet someone who's who's exactly where you want to be at, you know, two, three, four years from now, and then just meeting them, shaking their hand in person, realizing, damn, like there's there's people out here doing exactly what I want to do, and and they're, I mean, they're they're just like me, you know, they're going to the same events, you know, they they put on pants the same way, it's, um, and it just makes uh, what you want to accomplish may seem far off, like so much more real, and um, and even if it's not like the specific nugget, it's just Having that sense of someone out there is currently doing what I want to do, it's possible for me too, and it just shifts something in you know in our inner minds, which um, which I love, like be able to um, experience or have others experience that at events too. So um, I'm glad you're a big fan of uh, of the of the events and conferences. <laughs> yeah, it was a lot of fun, man. It was it was a lot of fun, and I it, it was something that. For me personally, I'd been on the presenter side before because I used to have uh, one of my various businesses that I did kind of metal artwork kind of stuff. And so I've set up with Zen and sold my wares and that kind of thing. Um, but it was never a big social event like those are. And, and like you just said, getting to meet business owners. I, I don't know if you remember him or if you met him. He was the short, older guy walking around with a straw. Um, those golf, mm. golf hats, the full brim golf hats, you know, they're kind of straw, they're kind of see-through. He had on the Hawaiian shirts for three days straight. <laughs> he was a, a contractor from Hawaii who just sold his 200-man business. And he's on vacation, permanent vacation, until he finds out what he wants to do next. I want to be that guy. That, that's I'm, me, my, my, my business... Yeah. person in here you know that's that's inspiring that's something yeah. not just inspiring but aspire you know a business already can aspire to be that to just go to industry conferences because you never know what you're going to find or who you're going to meet like you to your point what what is that guy looking for that he hasn't already done he's looking for something i'm assuming completely totally different completely independent of running a service business maybe he wants to get in and be a tool manufacturer now you know maybe i i, I don't know uh, there's uh, uh um there's a company called um olympia splendid who's now entering the u.s from italy mm. these guys got off an international flight from italy and came to new orleans i got to speak to a couple of italians one of them did not speak English. I can't even say a couple. I got to speak to one guy who spoke English. The other one didn't even speak English. <laughs> they were off the plane from Italy and they're opening their, you know, they're starting to release their, uh, their mini split in the United States. And I thought, you know, this Hawaiian guy over here would really, I'm sure, like to become a dealer, you know, maybe get involved in distribution or, you know, the possibility of something like that. It's, it seems outlandish, but it's possible. Somebody's got to do it. Man, oh my gosh. And you, you just don't know who you're right into. <laughs> you really don't. Now, uh, I guess looking forward to the year, um, like what are, you've been to so many show, trade shows and events, like 
you know, I guess if you recommend, you know, a handful of people you should check out if they've never been to one or, you know, maybe they haven't heard of one you mentioned, like, what are a few that you'd recommend folks to, to check out? The first one, and I'll say quite honestly, the only one on my mind that I can think of right now is um, HVAC Tacticals Award Show. Uh, ben puts on a great uh, show, just a, a, the whole production to me is just hilarious. An award show in the HVAC industry. That's the, the whole premise is hilarious. Um, but we're, we're looking forward to, uh, to that show. Uh, personally, I wish I could go. I really, really, really want to go. I've heard nothing but good things. Um, and then there is another one. You're probably gonna have to scratch this out of the recording, but I think it's HVAC school. Uh, we're starting to talk to him about maybe going to his show. I think I'm pretty sure it's in Florida. Mm -hmm. I can't remember. I can't remember the guy's name. It might, his name might also be Ben, but um, there's a couple of shows. And really, I just wait on the partnerships team to tell me where we're going next. And they're the ones who scope it out. They're the ones who find them. They're the ones who get us the booths and the banners and the time. And, I'll, and they sir. just say, hey, this is where we're going. And I just, okay, I'll go. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> yep. Awesome. Man, it's awesome. So I guess um, we're, we're, we're closing on the end of the show. Like any last piece of advice or anything you want to share with the audience before we wrap up for the day? Uh, really, the coolest thing about working here is the people and the team that I get to work with every single day. Uh, we are here in Dallas, Texas. We're, we just moved into a new office space a few months ago. And whether it's engineering and product, customer service, our CEO uh, sits at a desk right behind me. Um, he's not in some high tower somewhere, you know. Um, our CEO, Gabe, is the one that started the company. Uh, he was the, the founder, the originator, and he is deeply tied into the product. And he's deeply uh, involved every single day. And so... I use them as an example of our culture is that everybody is involved. We're very deeply and steeped in our culture of taking care of our customers. And so whether it's on a sales call, something that you need or something when you call into the customer success team and you need help with something or something isn't working, we actually had a glitch this morning. No problem. Everybody knew about it within 30, 45 minutes because we're all in the same office within 45 minutes, engineering team. Yeah, sure. Okay, we're on, and boom, it was fixed. Done. This it's a it's a closed issue. It's okay, um, but having having the team around uh, around me helps me every single day because I get to talk to sales, I get to talk to CS, I get to talk to product, I get to I, I'm in all the I'm in all the reach, you know, here around the office, but. Um, we, we try every day to take that culture and let our customers know about it. And so you can get there on the app. You can get there on, on the web app, on the desktop. Anytime you need to talk to us, we're here. We're available. And we tell everybody pretty, we're available 23-6. You know, there's a few off hours here and there. Um, but generally speaking, we're available. Whenever you're working is when we're available. So you got questions, just chat in and ask us. You got a concern? chat or call you got uh you know some feature requests something that you want to see something that you maybe saw somewhere else or something that would really help your business be more efficient let us know it's it's pretty cool to be a part of and to see these feature requests come in real quick some of them 
are very easy to do. And some of them I've seen get done literally next day, just simple little things that you would expect to be in a queue or be get forgotten. And because we have such an open culture inside of our office, they, it, it's an open discussion. And now there's some things, some feature requests that are on the roadmap there. You know, we, we plan about a year out, um, for our, our innovations and our product releases. And so there's some things that we can tell you because we all know where the product is headed, where the software is headed. We all know, we can all see it. We all know where it is. Sometimes we have trouble finding it, but we find it and we can tell you, Hey, this feature, it's already on our roadmap. We've already scoped it. We're already planning on it. And it's this day. We, we have an expected release date of this day. That's amazing. Just uh, a culture of, you know, self-growth improvements. And um, it's amazing how adaptable too, right? You know, the change in sometimes, you know, if small like a day, that's, you know, I, I've been in, in certain you know, different products where it's, it, oh, will they ever get to it? I don't know. I submitted a ticket request in, you know, ages ago. So that's really awesome to hear about the culture. Um, the people sound amazing. It's it's so cool that CEO sits right behind you, right? You know, he's he's in the thick of it with you guys, and um, and it's just you know just hearing the stories and all the things that um that you help with for contractors. It's amazing the impact you're making in their lives. And so, um, you know, thank you, to you and also thank you to the entire team that that backs the operation of a Field Pulse. It's 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 amazing. <laughs> Oh, that's great, man. Thank you. We'll, we'll, I'll take that little clip and I'll send it out to everyone. They'll, they'll really appreciate it. Carstano. So cool. So I think we're um, right about that time. Um, I just want to say thank you again. I, I think what makes uh, you so unique is that, I mean, you were a contractor using this product before you were even on, on their team. And so seeing your business grow and the work that you do as a bridge for the tech and for the community, um, it's, it's been amazing. And, um, and yeah, thanks for being on. I'm super excited to see how this turns out. And uh, yeah, really looking forward to continuing the partnership and uh, growing from here. All right, man. Sounds good. If anyone ever needs to reach me, you can send me an email at daniel at shieldpulse.com. Reach out anytime. All right, Daniel. And thanks everyone for tuning in. I will catch you in the next one. And yep, we'll see you soon. All right, bye, everyone. Thank you for joining us for the HVAC Financial Freedom Podcast. Follow us on StreamYard, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, and check out our main website, www.hvacfinancialfreedom.com to find out how you can also achieve financial freedom.